Happy New Year, John. Happy New Year, Brandon. Well, it's not quite New Year's, New Year's Eve. It's uh, the verge of 2022. We're right on the cusp, yeah. right on the edge. We are. Yeah. yeah. It's exciting. The baby New Year, right? The baby New Year's coming up and the old man 21's headed out the door. I guess. Never really looked at it that way. If I sound strange on this podcast, I got sick this week. I already told you about it, but I got sick like, I don't know, almost a week ago and uh, went to the doctor and got COVID tested and flu tested, negative on both. So it's just some virus. But now my girl's got it. Now my wife, who's, I don't know how many months pregnant now, a lot, but she's she's getting it. So anyways, it's making the rounds around the house. So anyways, if I sound like uh, death, that's why. But I actually, I don't feel horrible anymore. I just sound horrible. No, you don't sound bad, man. That's good. Yeah, you sound good. Yeah. And it was just, you know, a, a weird virus. Who knows? Yeah. Yeah. Another one. Another one. <laughs> Another, Another one to be afraid one. of. I know. Yeah. 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 Well, what, what a year, huh? Let's talk about that for a minute. You want to recap? What? You know what? Yeah. What a year. <laughs> I mean, think about it, right? I mean, you and me, Kodiak, Sealer, I mean, across the board, we have reached some pretty amazing milestones that it certainly seemed like the first half of the year was not going to happen. Well, would you agree? I would agree. I'd say this has been 2021 because me and Aaron are talking about this earlier today. I would say in the history of my lifetime, not my own personal life, but in history of my lifetime for the country, 2021 is one of the worst years on record for the country with yeah. lockdowns and COVID and Right. you know, uh, supply shortages and price increases and inflation and all these different things yeah. that's been going on. So it's been a wild ride as far as, you know, just life in general. Betty White died today, which is crazy. Today it's, and Madden, right? Madden yesterday. Yeah, well, I think he's a couple days ago. But yeah, I mean, it's it's really crazy uh, what's going on. There's always good mixed in with the bad, bad mixed in with the good. And so all the bad that went on is also a really great year for a lot of reasons. You know, we we grew Kodiak Pro and we reconnected with a lot of people that we haven't talked to in a long time. And that's really great. So that's been good, you know, and Gore Design Company and Hard Goods. I, I continued to have client work coming in and I'm thankful for that. So, yeah, it's just, you know, it was it was a year. It was a year. Good and bad. It was all mixed together. I 100 percent agree. Yeah. I, I mean, the, the beginning of the year, which just came after, obviously, um, 20. In California, there's been nothing but lockdowns. Everything, you know, tight as a ship. Everybody, vaccines. I mean, whatever you can do to get over something. So the the first half of the year, and then as you and I were putting our heads together to launch this whole new idea, bring something very new to the market. Man, material shortages, <laughs> ships sitting out in the ocean. Arguably the worst year ever <laughs> to bring a new product to market. Oh my goodness. Yeah. I'll tell you what, man, there's times I just felt like we're just chasing our tail. You yeah. know, the difficulties, as you remember, I mean, I'm not, and I don't look at these as negative anymore. I mean, how long trying to get the website going? Yeah. You know, uh, working with the web designers, it seemed like it was just one catastrophe after another. But we pushed through, overcame. Uh, again, a, a huge, huge thank you to so many of you guys that 
started with us when we had this whole idea. Like, gosh, you remember, (laughs) again, I'm laughing, but how many times Jess Warren, gosh, I I just felt like, you know what I mean? I I even told him a joke one time is, man, you must feel like you're the ugly stepchild because it seemed each time he ordered, you know, there was a material short, we couldn't get something to him. I mean, something was happening and he, he powered through with us. And we grew, we moved to a much better stable blender to try to pull this thing off. And so it's, it's been amazing. And then to see what strides, just reading the post today, or let's say, and, and unsolicited, Peter Summers, if you're listening, thank you. That was an amazing feedback that he gave us, yeah. you know? So to hear more of that kind of story, even though you and I believe it, I mean, I truly, I feel these materials are above and beyond anything that's been available when other people, let's say, start off by taking our word for it, move this direction, probably with their own anticipation, to then hear, you know, this is the best product he's ever used in all the years that he's been doing this. I mean, that's pretty amazing. It makes it feel like... um everything we've been doing has been, you know, on the right track and for the right reason. And, and yeah, again, so it's not just me and you being like, yeah, it's the best. Now it's like these other guys like, you're right. It is the best. (laughs) Yes. Yes. Thank you. The validation is good. It's so great to hear from guys saying, you know, especially somebody like Peter Summers been doing this for a long time, you know, somebody who's used all these other product lines to say, this is crazy good. So I don't think people tuned in to hear us toot our own horn and uh, whatever. I'm sure if I was listening, it feels like, like it these, sometimes though. I mean, these, let's just be honest. Yeah. These ass hats over here just, right. you know, stand on their soapbox. Yeah. They don't yeah. want to hear that. So let's, uh, right, guys, we get it. You're amazing. Uh, <laughs> you know. Okay. Thank you. Yeah. 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 I got a question from a guy. He DM'd me a question. Get out. You have a piece of paper and a pen. So this is a question from a gentleman in South Africa. And his current mix, just write this down, it's 20 kilograms of dry material. Of that, 10 kilograms sand, 9 kilograms cement, 1 kilogram metacalin, 2.7 liters of water, 1 liter of polymer. It's a 50% solid content, so, you know, like a Forton or something. 700 grams of AR glass fiber, and then plasticizer. Dose depends on workability needed. And he said he struggles with segregation, mm-hmm. but he's added a, some product called Quad 20, manufactured by Chrysler. I don't know what that is. And he's wanting to remove the polymer from the mix because he heard our podcast. And he wants to know, how does he go about mm-hmm. removing the polymer from the mix? So based on his current mix right now, what would you recommend to him to get the polymer out of his mix? How should he adjust that? Well, the only thing I can't say is how he's going to adjust his plasticizer. Because number one, and we all know this, the liquid polymers always add some amount of workability, but that workability is based on the surfactants that are in it. So number one, I would just say, first of all, drop out the one liter, okay? Add back in a half liter to his water. So that's 3.2 liters. Now, again, I haven't even looked at water cement ratio or anything. So I'm just going by his numbers. Just maintain his combination of 50-50 with metacalin. I'm actually surprised 
But again, there's lots of different metacalins. Metacalin typically is something fairly sticky. So if he's getting segregation, there's only a couple choices. Number one, whatever plasticizer he has may or may not be, in this case, I'm going to say is not, working very well with the polymer load that he's running. So that's increasing his problem because his plasticizer is working, I'm going to say in combination, but for wrong reasons, in combination with the surfactants that's in his liquid polymer. So just pull that out. Number one, start out, just pull it out. Pull it out completely. Make the adjustment in your water. At that point, mix up the same mix based on the same amount of plasticizer you would normally use. Have that sitting and then decide if you like that workability or not. And then dose your plasticizer accordingly. Now, did he say what plasticizer he was using? No, he doesn't say. Okay. So, say again, that's, that's one more unknown. We don't know if he's using a liquid plasticizer or a powder plasticizer because either one of those would get slightly different answers. And I'll just put it out there. So if you're using a liquid, that's different. Start off because you, I, I know I put this out there before, but guys, Barry, be aware that the liquid plasticizers are usually plus or minus about 75% water. So if you're not taking that 75% of your plasticizer dose, into account with your water, a lot of a lot of guys make the mistake by, oh, I added more plasticizer. Look how much better workability I got. Well, no, you didn't. You just dosed more water. You know? So that's something to think about. On the flip side, if he's using a powder, well, now you don't have to worry about it. And what I just said holds true. Pull the polymer out entirely, substitute the half liter back into your water, and then dose your plasticizer accordingly to get your workability. Gotcha. Yeah, yeah, it makes sense. But yeah, based on that, I mean, just on what he's saying, if he's using a metacalin, man, metacalin typically is fairly strong anti-segregator. So that tells me it's a polymer issue or a liquid plasticizer issue in combination. Well, that's good. Hey, what questions do you have? Because that's the only question I got this week. Did you get any questions? Well, not. I did get a some, but. I want to address one question that actually from one of the guys in Israel, I think it was Israel. Anyway, it was on the discussion group where he asked the question that if he used Radmix, and I'm paraphrasing here, but I'm going by what was in my head because I'm not pulling it up. So by doing Radmix, can he still cure by just simply putting plastic yeah. over his concrete? And I know I addressed this on the discussion group probably a lot more than anybody wants to read um, because I go pretty crazy kind of that stuff. But I, again, I want to put out there, you guys, these materials that are designed, this high performance mix, and maybe I'll even just this end of a mix based on density, inherent resistances, strength. The idea of proper cure, although we talk about this is not exclusive to a rad mix or maker mix scenario. This is not totally exclusive to just an ICT scenario. People, if if you just take if all of us take the time to do proper cure with whatever we're doing, you will have so much better success. Moving forward into 2022, just get on board. 
And you will be amazed at where you go by just taking the steps that should have been taken all along. There are no bad questions. I'm glad he asked the question. Agreed, yeah. But that mindset, which I don't fully understand in the sense of the difference between putting plastic on the concrete versus felt plastic in a couple blankets. Mm-hmm. What are you saving? Are you saving a minute? Maybe? Like, what are you saving by skipping the other steps? And he said, well, because he's hot where he is, but it doesn't matter. You're not hot enough yeah. to hold it at 140 degrees for five or six hours when it spikes with a piece of plastic. You know, mm-hmm. the ambient temperature of your shop at night, even if you're in the desert, it's going to be mid 80s. You know, so right. if the concrete spikes at 140 and it's mid 80s atmosphere around it, it's going to pull that heat right out. So you have to hold that heat in with insulation. Well, hold the heat and hold the moisture. Exactly. Well, here he has plastic, so he's holding the moisture, but he's losing the heat. So yeah, he's losing but that not ambient really. steam but cure. Again, there, there's the misunderstanding. Again, one of the other misunderstandings that, yes, plastic is holding moisture. There's no question about it. But the downside is just based on surface tension, the steam, let's say, what should be being used for further hydration. It's leaving the system, becoming attached to the plastic. Surface tension is not releasing it for the concrete to use when it wants to use. So by default, you're actually weakening your concrete. It's keeping the plastic, the plastic's keeping the moisture from evaporating, but it's not forcing it into the concrete. It's just holding it there against the surface. Because yeah, you're right. That's a good point. If you just cover plastic and you pull the plastic off in the morning, it's wet. It's wet. The concrete drip off. Yeah. yeah, but if you do yeah. felt, plastic, and blankets and let it cure, when you take it off, it's bone dry because Agreed. it sucked it all back in, you know, and converted it into crystalline growth in the concrete. So, yeah, that's a really good point. I never really looked at it that way, but I know because I've experienced that when I have done just plastic for no good reason. It's one of those things you do and you're like, why did I do that? Yeah, I don't yeah know. and you pick it up and next thing you know, you know, a big water reservoir comes flowing off the plastic. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I actually put this in, so I'm, I'll try to put a very short story to this, but I'm going to put this out as a challenge. You a love challenge challenges. To anybody. I know. Well, I want to challenge people to this mindset. Let's do a TikTok because, challenge. Yeah, right. Over the years, <laughs> I think we'll agree, you know, we are one of the only people that continually talk about this whole idea of proper cure, cure techniques, why you're doing it, where's it going, except So, I did this actually at Smooth On, I don't know, a couple, three years ago, just to introduce. I sat down with these group of guys who just got done buying, you know, this company, Buddy Roads Products. And one of the mixed designs, ECC, was touted as this amazing, super strong mix. So to these guys was like, oh, this is amazing. I can't believe this. Da, da, da. And I said, okay, well, we're going to do something here. And I'm going to show you where... Just looking at a tech data sheet based on something that says what it's supposed to be, let's walk through cure scenarios. So I think I did five oversized samples where one sample we cast and we did not cover at all. One sample we cast. Now, these were all cast out of the same mix, so nobody could say, oh, you changed something. One we just covered with plastic. One we covered with just plastic and insulation of some sort. And the next one, we did the scenario where it was the fabric, plastic, and then insulation, followed by the final one, done the way we recommend it, was with 
material, plastic, uh, insulation, and then a heat source of some sort. In this case, it was a sunbeam heat blanket. And then finally, insulation. And throughout this, I asked the sales staff like what they thought. And of course, all of them are like, uh, it doesn't matter. You know, We tell people all the time, just cover things with plastic. And I said, okay, great. So that's what we did. We came back the next day. Now, again, understand that these guys, this whole group of people with this mindset of, oh my goodness, John's going to show us this magic of this amazingly strong ECC. And so when I went in there, I said, come on, you guys. That's a... So I took them to the first one. By now, it, you know, it was hard. It looked like a dry piece of concrete. And I said, okay, great. I mean, what do you guys think? Oh, yeah, we'll get... So I had them walk over and just, you know, scratch it with their fingernail. Or let's say try to scratch it with their fingernails. And you instantly saw this bewilderment with these group of individuals like, wait a minute, I, I thought this stuff was supposed to be strong. This doesn't seem very strong. I'm like, yeah, all right. And I didn't say anything. It's, again, that's long before I want to put the whole you know, reason for the madness together. Go to the next one. We pick up the plastic. Sure enough, a bunch of water goes rolling off. Part of it drips onto the concrete itself. We all know what that looks like. Water hits raw concrete. And I said, okay, great. What, how about this one? Sure enough, they tried the same thing. It was weak. It was scratchable. There was nothing special. And so forth and so on as we continued through these samples. Once we got to the last two, specifically the one with the heat, the, the one with the heat was still warm. The one actually fully insulated was still warm, just not to the same heat level. We didn't have an, an IR thermometer, but you could tell it was probably about a 20, 25 degree difference, at least in the two pieces. But by, by the time we got to that last sample, that's when it makes sense. So we were pulling off the material. There wasn't moisture running all over the place like it was off the plastic. They, they could no longer scratch it with their fingernail to the point that some of the guys were actually pulling keys out of their pockets and trying to scratch it. Um, so to me, just if people, if you try that in your shop, you'll see what a difference good curing techniques does for the concrete. That's what, that's what it's for. Yeah. Regardless of if it's crapcrete or a really good product, it's still going to be better no matter which product you're using. You're making right. any concrete better by curing it properly. Absolutely. And you're and not then we saving take it to a different any, level. You're not saving any time or money by not curing it properly. That's the thing. No. Is just putting plastic mm -hmm. on it, you're not saving anything. Nothing. Mm -mm. No. So. Not only are you not saving anything, so much of the problems, I'm going to say at least nine out of ten problems that I hear about from other people who ask questions from various things they're doing out there. Uh, you know, and it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if they're using, you know, cement all. You know, there was this magic of CSA at some point, like, oh, look, we don't have to do anything. Yeah, well, then you find out pretty quickly how porous it is and you know, it doesn't. Same thing. Nine out of 10 of the problems, even all the way up to sealer problems, regardless of what sealer we're talking about, can be solved by just curing your concrete better. Yeah. No question about it. No question about it. Then if you decide to move this direction, yeah, cure is very important. 
Because number one, it's a mix designed specifically around proper cure techniques and then a sealer that complements all that so that, you know, you're feeding the sealers being fed with the concrete as the catalyst. The best way of turning it into a good catalyst, cure it properly and turn it into a high-end catalyst. But again, again, I'm just going to put that challenge. What is the challenge? I'm kind of stuck. You're right. I am stuck on challenges because... You know, what is it? I, there was one 75 hard I was just reading about. I, I like, I was reading about just take 75 days to challenge yourself to a new way of thinking and a new way of treating yourself. And so as I've been reading a lot of these kind of challenges, anybody listening, run that scenario in your shop and it'll, it'll completely change and update your way of thinking about what you're doing. Well, do that if you don't believe what we're saying. Yeah, that's true too. Yeah. Or you could just say, all right, well, these guys probably, I mean, they have no vested interest in plastic or packing blankets. Mm-hmm. You know, they don't have any stock in those companies. Why, why would they keep pushing this if they didn't have a vested interest? We don't have a vested interest. We just want you to make the best concrete possible. Yeah. That's why we do the concrete podcast. And to do that, this is how you do it. We have no financial interest or gain if you do it or don't mm-hmm. do it. But we do want to help you do the best you can do. And this is how you do it. Agreed. And I, you know, I'll find, I'm going to put this out, out there. It's shocking to me that more of the training, who's ever putting out training, that they're not focusing at all on this stuff, which kind of leaves us as the odd men out, quite frankly. Hey, speaking of training, we had mm-hmm. our 10th registration today for the Pinnacle Concrete Camp in Spring. So we're officially halfway full because we cap it at 20. So yeah, I mean, that's pretty amazing because we still have, you know, two months until the class. So if you're sitting on the fence, I think a lot of people, because, you know, we filled up to halfway really in a month. Usually our our biggest rush is two or three weeks before the class because a lot of people wait to the last second to see if their schedule clears up or whatever's going on. But the fact that we're already full or halfway full at this point with two months to go, I think a lot of people with Everything that happened last year, you know, they're wanting to start 2022 in a different direction. And I think attending a training class is one way you can do that. You can kind of, you know, just start off in a whole different mindset and new techniques and new ideas. And, you know, uh, what's, what's the right word? Um, there's a word on the tip of my tongue I'm trying to think of right now. Um, like inspiration, it, you know. Is it tip? Tip. 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 Moist. Yeah. Moist concrete. (laughs) (laughs) But, you You know, know, we did it last time as well. uh, The last workshop, the, the, the people signed up right now, I'll tell you what. And and again, I know you can discount it until you get there, but when you see these materials in action, then, and how fast they, they wet out, because I actually have a story for that that just slapped me in my own face here yesterday, in fact. How fast they wet out, what the differences in, in um, how they consolidate. Uh, it is absolutely, I don't know how to say it. It's still mind-numbing to me because I was looking at a potential, I didn't even tell you this about Brandon, but looking at a potential new raw material, right? Just, just again, I like to, again, even for me, stay on the cutting edge see what there is, see how it, you know, maybe it, does it improve? Does it not? What can it, what can it do? 
So I brought some of this stuff in and I tried swapping out one of our materials, which by the way, is at a very small amount of this particular mix. And based on a tech data sheet, based on size and so forth and so on, it should have been, you know, should have been pretty neat. I mixed up, what was it, 25 pounds. And at first, I'll be honest with you, I thought I did something wrong. I mean, this, this all of a sudden it was thick and airy. And I'm like, well, that's, that doesn't seem right. This is what, and very difficult to wet out. So I dumped that one, fully believing I did something wrong. Because again, right, we're all human. Pulled out some regular mix, uh, Kodiak Maker mix, to get like, okay, you know, maybe did maybe I forgot ice, maybe I too warm, not enough plastic. I, I could have made a mistake. So I went back to control, mixed up some control. My son was with me. Once again, watched it wet out in I don't know twenty seconds, thirty seconds. Boom, laid right out. It was gorgeous. Added fiber poured it it poured out like a milkshake and that's using my son's verbiage daddy it's like water i'm like yeah that's just that's that's what we're looking for man then blended up the materials again with a with this potential new raw material and both of us stood there looking at it now now what took 20 30 seconds i'll bet it took a minute and a half to two minutes before it even wet out and all of a sudden it was airy and foamy and where am i going with this well, obviously, that's not a raw material I'm interested in looking at. But more importantly is, without a frame of reference, you have no idea what these materials do. Well, what I take from that is never believe a tech data sheet. Well, that's know? true, too. Because there's a lot of tech data sheets out there that, on paper, it looks great. But in reality, it doesn't. That reminds me of when you were all hot to trot on fiberglass rebar for a second. Yeah, I told you. Yep. It's junk, man. It's junk. Steel. Yeah, I don't believe it, man. It's a fraction of the price. It's going to be stronger. You're like, no, man, a tech data sheet on this, the, you know, structural strengths. Blah, 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 blah. I'm like, yeah, no, let's do a test. I'm thinking, Brandon Gore doesn't know nothing. Yeah, he knows nothing. You can't tell me nothing. <laughs> so, can't tell me. At your shop in Angel's Camp, we had a class. We cast two beams. I don't know, they're yep. like six by six by eight feet or seven feet or something. And we put a piece mm -hmm. of steel rebar, one piece in the bottom of a beam. Mm -hmm. And then we put a piece of the fiberglass rebar in the bottom of the beam. And it was a very unscientific test, but we just propped them up on each end and jumped in the middle, jumped on top of them. Yeah. Well, and first then, we even just tried walking across. Yeah, like, exactly. But yeah. let me tell the story. You're going to, you're going to mess it up. So, <laughs> cause John's over there thinking like, oh, I'm going to show him. And I'm like, yeah, I'm going to show yeah. you because I've already been down this road. Rebar is dumb. Well, not rebar, but carbon fiber and fiberglass is sounds no, good. No, that's what I'm thinking. Rebar is dumb. No, yeah. you got to get this new stuff. Yeah. So yeah, we walk on it and we bounce on it, you know, just lightly bounce and we jump. And so the fiberglass, it's super ductile. I mean, it, it is bouncy. Uh, it's like a trampoline. Boing, boing. Cool. Yeah. But then it just yeah. snaps. Boom. Snaps. Mm -hmm piece comes apart like it doesn't it doesn't stretch it just pop mm. and it's in two pieces mm -hmm. the steel not as bouncy but we're jumping up and down on it hard and yeah. it's not bouncing like a trampoline i mean it is got a slight bounce to it and finally after we have to like really try we get it to break but it doesn't come apart mm -hmm. it just no. deflects down because the steel is holding it the steel stretches slightly bent. yeah but it's yeah, still together all. it's not a catastrophic failure right. mm -hmm. and i looked at john and john's like you're right man well, yeah, 
there you go. I'm done with that idea. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I went down that road in like 2004 or five. I feel like it's 2004 with Seagrid. I don't know if anyone remembers that. Seagrid. Yep. Seagrid. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And back then it came on a roll. It was like two inch by two inch spacing. It was carbon fiber encapsulated in epoxy, but it came on a roll and the roll had so much memory that when you unrolled it, it would spring back into, into a roll again. Like fencing. Dude, like worse than fencing. It was crazy. And so then I was taking C-Grid and zip tying it to half inch rebar just to get it to stay somewhat (laughs) flat. And even then it was trying to pull the rebar up and bow it. It was ridiculous. And my guys are like, dude, because we used to use welded wire fabric back in the day Mm -hmm. with like uh, number three rebar around the perimeter and around sinks and whatnot. But anyways, you know, I mean, it was a fraction of the cost and it was way easier. It laid flat and, you know, it was easy to, to cut and all that kind of stuff. You could just cut it with snips with the secret. You'd use like an angle grinder, you know. So anyways. Yeah, that stuff was pretty brutal. Yeah, my, guy, my guy's like, why are we using this? I'm like, oh, dude, on paper, it's like 10 times stronger, blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. But we took a piece outside that didn't turn out and we had on a forklift and I just bounced the forklift uh, blade slightly in the countertops on it and it just cracked in half. It didn't just crack in half. I mean, it came apart just completely in two pieces and hit the ground. I mean, we've taken 10, 10, 20 other pieces leading up to that that had not come out using welded wire fabric and steel that we had to try 10 times harder and they never came apart. And again, it was just like what happened to me and you. My guys looked at me and like, there it is, man. You just saw yeah. what happened. I'm like, ah, you're right. This stuff is junk. Now, eh. Seagrid, uh, they maybe have improved on a product. But that being said, I would still choose, if I was going to choose between Seagrid and welded wire fabric and, and rebar, I'd probably still choose welded wire fabric and rebar. That's just me. It's just been my own. Well, and that being said, though, you're absolutely right. I mean, those materials have come a long way. I don't know if you saw some of the postings by Joe Bates recently, but he made a huge, long bench. I think we were just talking about it, right? Where he was literally, you know, it's cantilevering out six feet or eight feet or something. And, yeah, but that was post-tension. Uh, well, it was a combination. He also did the one where he used all glass rebar as the enforcement. He created a grid, if you will, yeah, and and cast that all into the mix. <clears throat> well, I think or, the glass would be better the top. than the carbon fiber, be, I, in my own yeah. opinion. But that being said, I would, I'll, we'll talk to Joe. Maybe we'll get Joe on the podcast next week. But I would, I would say, dude, post-tension, yes. You know, steel, yes. Fiberglass rebar, eh, I don't know. I don't know. Maybe. Yeah, I think it's got a ways to come. Yeah. 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 Because there, I, go ahead. I was going to say, I think you'd be better off just layering uh, scrim, you know, do, right. do 10 layers of scrim, pour some SEC, put a layer of scrim, pour SEC, put a layer of scrim, and, and just do that all the way up with your, your chopped strand fiber in it already. And I think you'd end up with, as strong, if not far stronger than a grid of carbon fi- or uh, fiberglass rebar. You're I could right, be wrong. Right. I could be wrong. I probably am wrong. I usually am, typically. Well, I think ultimately, I mean, based on what we're doing now anyway, that what used to be considered the primary reinforcement, which was a bar of some sort, now it's been reversed. I only look at that stuff as a secondary reinforcement, if I'm going to put it in anywhere. The fiber loads, glass or PVA, that's the primary reinforcement. And my only reason, which I don't put it in very often at all, I think I have some of that eighth inch um, glass rebar, is I'll put it into joint spaces, you know, long runs of some sort. And I just look at that as a, again, a 
cheap safety net for me to put in there. It's yeah. a spot where I couldn't put scrim. So this was an easy one to put in there. Again, I'd say life experience tells me it's probably helping, but I'm surely never tested it. So, but sure. it makes me feel like I can sleep better at night since I put it in there. True that. True that. What else, John? What are the questions you got? I don't Nothing, man. I, I didn't want to know about, I don't know. I can't even think right now. Yeah, I can't hear. We'll see you. I'm Eve. still overwhelmed by how this year, I mean, we started this podcast and the more I just think about it, I was just shaking my head again, thinking like, man, after all the trials and tribulations of 21, now again, I, I don't think 22 is going to be smooth sailing. We're always going to have something we're climbing the hill over. But, hey, man, kudos to you. Yeah, we've come a long way this year, man. We have. Real quick, because, you know, it is New Year's Eve, and my wife is over at the house with the girls, so i got to get back here soon. The Pinnacle Concrete Camp, February 21st to 26th. We're halfway full, 10 registrations. We cap it at 20. So if you want to do it, go to concretedesignschool.com. Click on workshops. At the very top, there's like a little banner. You can click on that. Read about it. Six days. John Schuler, Dusty Baker, Brandon Gore. It's the best of the best of the best of the best. If you want to learn from guys that do this <clears throat> for a living, that know what they're talking about, that invented the techniques they're teaching, that have more experience in any of these things than anybody else teaching classes, the Pinnacle Concrete Campus for you. UHPC, ECC, GFRC, OPP, you know me, fabric forming. <laughs> well, hang on. Now we're talking... Now we've even invented the materials. That's right. That are being used for this. That's right. How amazing is that? That's right. So yeah. fabric forming, dusty crete, which is, in my opinion, if you're going to do one type of concrete finish, that's the one to learn because it has the widest appeal from a sales perspective for clientele. So dusty crete, upright casting of John Schuler, mm-hmm. business, sales and marketing, pricing, all the stuff. And uh, it's a lot of fun. And I really enjoy the class. John enjoys it. Dusty enjoys it. We all have a good time. And so if you want to get in that class, go to Concrete Design School. The ConcreteDesignSchool.com. The second thing is Open Studio, which is Monday, February 28th, the Monday after the class. We've had uh, four or five people sign up for that. So we're not capping that. You know, as many people want to come can come. That's going to be a one-day hands-on I wouldn't say class, but it's a, it's just a kind of an open studio where we'll show you how to mix, how to right. cast, how to cure, how to finish, how to seal. We'll answer your questions. We'll get you comfortable with the mix. Hopefully we'll have products on hand. You know, it depends on how much we blow through in the class, but we'll have products on hand that you can buy and take with you if you drove. But it's going to be a lot of fun. And so if you're on the fence, you're like, yeah, maybe I want to do concrete. I don't know. Well, come to the, uh, come to the open studio. I'm the steward, yeah. Yeah, for that, go to KodiakPro.com, click on the store, the shop's called Shop, and then just scroll down, you'll see the open house. So that's that. Next thing, stickers. Dude, I've sent out a ton of stickers in the last week. So. That's awesome. Yeah, I want you to have a sticker. You're listening to this. Yes, you. I'm talking to you right now. I want you to have a sticker. Put it on the back of your car. Put it on the back of your wife's car. Put it on the back of your girlfriend's car, but don't tell your wife. Put it on your yeah. mixer. <laughs> Put it on your front door. But the way to get the sticker, the Concrete Gangster sticker, is go to Facebook, uh, like Kodiak Pro, and then join our discussion group, which is on that page. That's one way. Uh, The other way is to go to Apple Podcast and leave us a review. Hopefully a good review, but hey, if you don't like the podcast, be honest. Yeah, these guys are idiots. 
say that. I don't, you know, whatever's honest for you, but leave us a review. Either way, I'll still send you a sticker. And then whichever method you do, send us a message through Facebook or the Kodiak Pro website and say, hey, I just did this. Um, I'd love to get a Concrete Gangster sticker. Here's my address. And I will put one in the mail to you. So that's how you do that. What else? Well, did any more of the t-shirts come in? Yeah, no, we're, we're restocked on t-shirts. And I've shipped out, Sweet. surprisingly enough, um, I shipped out quite a few of those uh, in the last week. Tim Reed, who I love Tim. Tim is, yeah. is uh, he's been to multiple classes. He's been to two classes that I remember. He's a really, really good woodworker, phenomenal woodworker. And he also does concrete as well. And he just relocated. They were in Reno, I want to say, and they just went to Las Reno, Vegas. Yeah, just went to Vegas. Yeah. yeah, he was in Vegas. They went to Reno and now they're going back to Vegas. But anyways, Tim is a pro customer. And so I sent him a t-shirt for Christmas. Just say thank you for being a pro customer. But then they bought three t-shirts yesterday. So apparently he likes the t-shirt because he bought three more. <laughs> so there that's, yeah, that's nice. So if you want a Concrete Gangster t-shirt, you can get those on KodiakPro.com as well. We're fully stocked up, so we have all the sizes in stock. Hey, I just remembered something that I totally forgot about, is I just released two video-on-demand tutorials. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's just, you know, it's it's crazy. I I literally have just been, like, cracked out on NyQuil all week. So my memory is, like, foggy. But one of them is on how to cast a... Concrete sink using SEC GFRC. So it's forming, mixing, casting, a backer mold, demolding, uh, sealing, all that kind of fun stuff. It's a really good tutorial. It's two hours. And uh, if you go to Vimeo, you can search Kodiak Pro and you'll find it. That one's $99. And then I have another one on crating. And that one's $49. That's a 30 minute tutorial on how to build a crate how to create a cutting uh, crate cut list. So I have that, my formulations for that. And then what you do when you put your crate together, like finishing touches and how you schedule freight and all that kind of stuff. What I'd say is I've, I've um, had over the last 20 years, tons of guys send me messages when they're shipping a piece at the 11th hour. Dude, I got to ship a, you know, 900 pound sink and I have no idea what I'm doing. People always wait to the last second. So if you're in this industry, you do this for a living, Creating, it's not sexy. You're like, oh, that's not, that's not a whole lot of, yeah, right. you know, it's not cool. It's not fun, whatever. It's a necessity. If you make anything and you have to ship it, you damn well better know what you're doing when it comes time to create and freight that thing. So this tutorial is my way of trying to help guys that do this for a living not have the horrible, disastrous outcomes that I had early on when I didn't know what I was doing. Uh, so the, the tutorial really goes through the way I do it now. And I ship... You know, I'm in Northwest Arkansas. Uh, and even when I was in Arizona, when I was in Arizona, I shipped 98 to 99% of my products out of Arizona. Now I live in Arkansas. I ship 98 to 99% of my products back to Arizona, it seems like, but I ship Crazy. everything. Yeah. But anyways, I ship everything that I make. And um, the crating technique and the cut list, it doesn't change. So it doesn't matter if it's a countertop, a tabletop, a sink, um, a planter, tile, whatever. It's the exact same crate uh, design process and fabrication and finishing touches and freight. So anyways, uh, I think that's a really good tutorial. Uh, I'm watching analytics. It's not getting the same love that, uh, the sync one is, you know, like the number of views on the trailer and stuff. It's just, it's lagging way behind. But that being said, it's something that if you do this for a living, you need to be good at that, that part of it. I think it's those little things. Well, it's not a little thing, but those sideline things 
that all too often is taken for granted and not given the weight and respect of what it's really nice. I mean, as artisans, you know, we strive to always see someone's technique or, you know, what they make and how pretty it is and what they use. Something like knowing how to create things properly so they actually show up in one piece at where they're supposed to be. I mean, that's huge. It's extremely important. So if you're interested, go to Vimeo, V-I-M-E-O. I'll have a link on the podcast page where you can just click and, and go to there. But go to Vimeo and search Kodiak Pro and you'll find them. Cool, man. Yeah, but Look forward to a lot more. Me too. I'm going to make a concerted effort in 2022 to start to document things and uh, teach different aspects of what it is that we do and kind of segment it into these tutorials so people can kind of a la carte learn about what they want to learn about. Well, I'm just going to reach to you since you're, I don't know, 50 miles away or something. Thank you very much. It's been a great year. Miles. I know, right? <laughs> it's I'm right like 3,000 3, miles at least. <laughs> <laughs> it's, been a, uh, it's been a pleasure working with you this year, and I'm excited about what we're moving forward in next year. Same here, man. Same here. I'm giving you a virtual hug right now. Thanks, buddy. Yeah. Thanks. And I'll talk to you next year. All right. Good talking <laughs> to you, Brandon. All right, buddy. I'll see you next year. Bye. Bye.